Welcome back to Custom.Radio. This is our sixth and final episode in this short series where we explore the world of quantum dots and their applications by looking at one company in particular, CustomDot. So we started the series by explaining what quantum dots are exactly and how might we use them. A conversation with Dr. Jonathan Steckel and Professor Dr. Tegger Hen. Then, on our second episode, we talked to Yuri Mauret and Zoran Steudel about light and micro-LEDs to find out more about the lighting market and the role quantum dots play there. On episode 3 and 4, you can listen to Custom Dots founders and team talking about the company they've built and how they've adapted the agile methodology to fit their quite specific needs. And on episode 5, we looked very closely at infrared sensors and quantum dots with Pavel Malinowski and Stefano Guerrieri. So today, to wrap up our series, I'll be virtually going to Boston to talk to Peter Palomaki about the future of quantum dots and optoelectronic technologies, and also to understand why he takes apart quantum.tv on his YouTube channel. Hi, Peter, and welcome to our podcast. It's very nice to have you here today to talk even more about the quantum dot world. So let's start with an introduction. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Who are you and what is your expertise in this field? Sure. First, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share my knowledge with your audience. So my life has been centered around quantum dots, I'd say, for the last decade or so. I started in this field as a postdoc, actually, working in solar energy at a place called National Renewable Energy Lab in the United States. And since then, I've worked in a few other companies, mostly small startups and as well as for myself, most notably for a company called QD Vision. They had a product in the first product in 2013 with Sony that contained quantum dots. And that was uh, kind of put a stake in the ground for the quantum dot display technology community of the first ever TV with quantum dots in it. And so since then, Samsung acquired QD Vision and I started to work with companies on my own as a consultant. So now I work with companies around the world on understanding, implementing, characterizing, and ultimately creating products that contain quantum dot technology. So I feel like you're the right person to talk to if we want to understand the entire history of quantum dots, how it all began, where we're at now, and where we, we think we might be in a few years' time. So because we only have limited time, we'll maybe focus less on the past. I guess in life in general, maybe it's better to leave the past behind. Look more in the present and the future. So could you give me an idea where we are now? What is the current state of quantum dots when it comes especially to implementation and display technologies, but also more broadly than that, where are we now? What is the current state of affairs? Sure. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time in the display technology space because uh, as a quantum dot expert, that's the, one of the big markets for it. And basically today, there's three ways that quantum dots can be implemented in displays. And these displays, by the way, can be TVs or computer monitors or tablets. There's less in mobile phones and those sorts of devices, but um, the larger displays, certainly there's examples of all of them containing quantum dots. So the first method of implementation is basically a plastic film in the back of the display. And this plastic film contains quantum dots. It's an embedded kind of polymer sandwich that in the middle has quantum dots in a polymer matrix. And on either side of that has a protective barrier layer to prevent degradation of the quantum dots. And this film sits in the back of a display and blue LEDs generally are what are driving these quantum dots. And those quantum dots act to down convert the blue light 
to red and green. So you take a third of that blue light, convert it to red, a third of that blue light, convert it to green. And one of the nice things about quantum dots is they do this very efficiently. They do this with high color purity. So the photons that they are emitting are very pure reds and greens. And then some of the blue just comes through from the blue LED. And so out the front of the TV, or, or by the time it gets to the LCD component, you have very pure three colors that you can create more colors than our displays have been able to create in the past. So that's kind of method number one is the, the film approach. Method number two is an extruded part. And this is a relatively newer technology that's only been around the past couple of years. And this is same style implementation as the film, but instead of being a, a polymer matrix that might be UV cured, this is actually an extruded component. So they put these quantum dots into an extrudable polymer and they make this part out of it that's much thicker and, and actually diffuses light a little more. And this is actually really good for displays that contain backlit LEDs. So instead of LEDs on the side of the display, they're as an array on the back. And this is becoming very popular these days with full array local dimming and HDR, high dynamic range, where you can locally adjust the light that's coming from the LEDs in the back of the display. So these are gaining traction, number one, because they're cheaper uh, to manufacture, and number two, because they can give you the benefits of the quantum dots in these other types of display architectures like backlit and local dimming and things like that. The film can also work in those implementations, I should mention. And then the third and final one that we see today in, in displays, and this is brand new, this is something that came out only earlier this year, uh, and people like me have been waiting for years for it. We've been hearing about it at conferences and trade shows, and finally it came to reality this year, something called QD OLED. So you've probably seen in the stores OLED TVs, and you've seen LCD TVs, and you've seen QLED TVs and various other names, but OLEDs are often considered one of the premier display technologies, especially in, in TV, large format displays, because they have amazing black levels. Each pixel can be turned on and off independently. So you get almost infinite contrast ratio. And if you pair that with quantum dots, you kind of get the best of both worlds. You can get these really amazing black levels and contrast, really beautiful colors, amazing viewing angles. So if you go off axis, if you're not viewing straight on, you can get really nice you can really maintain the color and brightness of the display even going off-axis viewing. So this type of technology just came out earlier this year. Um, there's two different TVs available, one from Sony, one from Samsung, and uh, one or more monitors, computer monitors, uh, one's from Alienware that came out earlier this year. And I've seen a few of them in person. They look phenomenal. You can see the reviews online. They're They're very good. And the difference with this technology compared to the other two is the where the quantum dots are located in the optical path is completely different. So here the quantum dots are located almost at the front of the screen where is where you're doing the color conversion. And there's no LCD, it's it's a standard OLED type approach, but all the OLED pixels are blue. So obviously you need to do color conversion there if you have only blue OLED pixels. And so atop the red and green subpixels, you have red quantum dots and green quantum dots patterned at a very fine resolution. Uh, right, These are 4K TVs. These are really high-resolution TVs. And that color conversion occurs closer to the front of the screen, meaning you get higher efficiency, more photons, brighter coming out. Like I mentioned, great viewing angle because these quantum dots emit uniformly in all directions. 
So you have a really nice display in the end and an, an extremely thin display, by the way. I've, I've taken apart one of these. They're amazingly thin. And all in all, a really nice new display technology. And that's only been available since earlier this year, 2022. So I want to ask you about the tearing apart TVs, and I will in a moment. But because this topic came up in a previous episode as well, I just want to ask what you think the real benefit of having this type of technology in, for instance, a TV or a computer monitor. What is the real benefit, considering that they're so much more expensive at this point in time? And I understand the image is much better, clearer, but is it really that much better that it can explain why we would pay so much more for this type of product? Or do you see it as a stepping stone for other products where the benefit will indeed be worth the cost, if that makes sense? Sure. Yeah. So one thing I'll, I'll say is that almost all new display technologies start at the high end, right? They're always more expensive to implement at the beginning of their life than once they've been mature and scaled and you have economies of scale and customer demand and things like that. So quantum dots are no exception to this, but they've been around for nearly a decade now in displays. You can find quantum dots in about 5 to 10% of all TVs, for example, that are out there. So it's not a massive part of the market, but 5 or 10% of all TVs is a lot of TVs. And yes, you can find them in high-end expensive displays, but you can actually find them now in very inexpensive displays. I it's It's Black Friday this week in the United States, and so they have killer deals on TVs often on Black Friday. And there's some 55-inch TCL quantum dot TVs for $250, right? This is amazing how inexpensive these, these can become. The quantum dot component in these films, the, the QD film or the, uh, the extruded QD part, for example, these only cost $10, $15, something like this to implement in a display. They used to cost $50, $100, and that would really drive up the price of the display. Uh, but nowadays, they're, they're becoming much more affordable to implement. Now, $10 or $15 to the bottom line of a, of a TV is, is no joke. Like these, these low-cost TVs, are, these budget TVs that are under three or $400 are often not making the companies very much money. It's the expensive TVs that do. But it's trickled down from the $1,000-plus TVs down into the 500 and under category in the last couple of years. So that's been really interesting to see for me as someone that worked on this technology for so long is that finally it is affordable and it can be implemented in a way that is accessible to basically anybody that's buying a TV. To touch on your point of what are the real benefits, I would say there's a couple, there's a couple reasons quantum dots were originally considered from the get-go. And that is the number one would be the color. Um, so quantum dot light emission is very pure, uh, very narrow. We measure this in a metric called the full width half maximum. So this is the peak width of the quantum dot emission. And depending on the quantum dot type, this can be 20, 30, 35, 40 nanometers. Nanometers is a measure of the, of the width of that peak. That's really narrow compared to what historically was out there in terms of color conversion. Phosphors, for example, some of these historic phosphors that were used were 100 plus nanometer full width half max, or some of the better ones historically were 50, 60 nanometer full width half max. There are now you know, competitors in the phosphor space as well. One that's become very popular is called KSF. It's a red phosphor that's very narrow and high color purity and highly efficient. So that competes directly with quantum dots in terms of their color purity. But another thing that everyone loves about quantum dots is their tunability. These are 
nanomaterials that can be synthetically modified to change their size. And as you change their size, their color changes. So if you need a red that's a little bit more red or a little less red, a little more uh, you know, to either side of the, the red color, you can do that with quantum dots. You can make it emit at 632 nanometers or 618 nanometers. Pick anywhere in between, right? And that is really attractive to some display makers because they carefully watch metrics like brightness and color gamut and things like this. This is what sells TVs. They stamp it right on the front of the box. Uh, brightness, 1,000 nits. And color gamut, uh, you know, 90% of Rec 2020 or 100% of DCI-P3. These metrics are, are what allows them to put a stamp of approval and, and get interest in customers. Quantum Dots have been able to dial in their properties in a highly efficient way that gives you good color, brighter TVs, and really designed specifically to fit exactly what the display makers want. Makes sense. So you've explained the benefits of it. You've also mentioned that they're becoming more affordable. So affordable that you're actually tearing down some <laughs> quantum dot TVs <laughs> on your YouTube channel and analyzing them. So I want to ask you about this because it's it's not every day that I get to talk to someone who uh, tears down TVs. So I wonder why you do it, what we have to learn from this process, and do you put them back together when you're when you're done, or what happens to them afterwards? Right. Yeah. Uh, rarely are they in a state that can be put back together, but sometimes I I, <laughs> I have been known to do that. So I mean, the number one reason is just intellectual curiosity, right? I, I'm a scientist by training and by nature since I was a little kid, and I like taking things apart and learning about how they work. And this is something that is interesting to me personally, but also professionally. And, and I gather data along the way, right? This is, for me, each display that I take apart is a new set of data that I can start to build. And, and now that I've done a handful of these, I can start to see trends and I can start to look at how the technology has changed over time. I get these TVs generally, they're already broken or something like that. So they're pretty cheap. You can find them on Facebook Marketplace and things like that. But some of them are working and it's nice to have a working one because then as you take it apart, you can turn the LEDs on and see how it changes, which for me has been really insightful. And, and I think a lot of the people that follow my channel also are really interested in seeing kind of how the light changes as you strip layers off of a TV. Um, you know, I, I had seen throughout my, you know, history in the display industry, I, I, all kinds of diagrams of the inside of an LCD. You can find these pretty easily on online. There's something different about being able to take it apart yourself and, and actually look at each component. Uh, and of course, companies do this all the time when they try to implement new technology. They try to figure out the existing structure and how they can work in. So this, it's not like this is new to me, but I thought it would be nice to share that with other people too. I think there's a lot of people both in the display industry that are, we'll call them display geeks like me, but also people that are just curious about it. And, and I've had tons of feedback on, on my YouTube channel of people that just are, are eating this up because they, they never knew what was inside their TV. And I've been able to take a pretty scientific approach to it and, and record the different steps in, in the process and tell people how it's done. And, and um, I have a small spectrometer so I can actually measure the light that's coming out of the TV as I remove components. I can measure the color. I can look at how different settings affect things. The, my approach to it is different than, than what kind of some of the review sites and things online do where they're trying to tell you what the best TV is to buy. That's not my goal of this. My goal is, is to learn something myself and to share that with others. And it's been a pretty fun experience for me to be able to do that, even if it does kind of take up my entire office at times with, with TV split in half. 
And I see that it's a pretty popular topic now because one of your one of your videos, destroying a cutie OLED, mm-hmm. uh, part one. I guess there's also a part two. There's, there's two parts. Twenty seven thousand views in just a few months. So yeah. lots of people want to see TVs destroyed. I wonder if there's a, a bigger social critique here that we could we could discuss. It. This is a purely technological curiosity. But yeah, very very interesting, and I guess especially for Curious scientists like yourself, there's a lot to learn from from unpacking that and seeing what happens that layer by layer as you quickly destroy something. And it's something that I thought when I did it, I would already know what's on the inside in many cases, right? And and because yeah. this is what I this is what I do. I almost always find something in the process that I'm like, huh, I wasn't expecting that. That's interesting. So like they sort of amazement, you know, the, the epiphany moment when you're doing science has, is still not gone, which is great. Uh, I still get to get to experience that when I'm taking apart these TVs from different manufacturers. And, and I don't see how a TCL and a Hisense and a Samsung and a Vizio are all a little bit different and how they design it and how they do it. Maybe you uncover some secrets from different manufacturers that they yeah, were perhaps. hoping to keep secret. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. So we talked about the current state of affairs of quantum dots. We talked about destroying TVs. Uh, guilty pleasure maybe for for other people as well. I'm wondering if we can talk about how the future looks like or how you think it might look like when it comes to quantum dot enabled technologies. What might we be able to expect in five to 10 years time? What do you think we'll, we'll see coming? What is maybe unlikely to happen anytime soon? What do you think yeah. this landscape looks like? Well, how long do you have is the question. No, I, I, this is something I talk often on and, and I could spend an hour on it if you wanted to, but I won't go that deep. Um, talked about the three ways that quantum dots are being used today. If you had asked me five years ago, I probably would not would have only been able to predict one of them. This is a technology that continues to evolve, quantum dots, that is. The display industry also continues to evolve quite rapidly and, and, and it's so hard to predict. It, you look back again five years at what people were predicting and, and it's often wrong. So with that being said, that I probably will be wrong when you revisit this in uh, you know 2028 or whatever, there's kind of multiple paths the display industry can go when it comes to creating color and getting light to our eyes. Because that's essentially what you're trying to do, get light and information from an electronic device to our eyes. I'll narrow this a little bit to talk more about larger format displays instead of talking about micro displays and things like AR and VR, because obviously that's that's going to be a thing. Uh, it already is. And quantum dots can play a role there as well. But maybe it's easier to kind of carve out uh, a discussion about the larger format displays. So in, in the larger format displays, I think there's a few technologies that are really interesting where quantum dots are involved. One that a lot of people have heard about is called micro LED LEDs that are micro size, right? They're really, really small LEDs. The display industry has already transitioned from what I'll call large size LEDs to mini LEDs. And so now we're trying to make that transition as as a technology from mini LED to micro LED. But that's a big jump. So right now you can buy an iPad, for example, that has 10,000 LEDs in the back. 10,000 LEDs in a single iPad, that's pretty tiny LEDs. But it's not one LED per pixel or per subpixel. And so the goal is to get to the size where each pixel or each subpixel, red, green, and blue, is its own individual LED. Uh, so much like OLED, you'd be able to turn it on and off, you know, independently and and have perfect black levels and really bright, bright screens. 
but there's definitely some challenges with doing that. The main challenge is just manufacturing something so small. Now, this can be done. We have photolithography and techniques to make circuits that are this size on the order of, you know, single digit micron diameter, right? Five micron LED, what we're talking about here. And where quantum dots can play a role is, is that these LEDs uh, are not always efficient at all colors. So red especially is really hard to make at this five micron size to make it efficiently. It just has, you know, terrible light output and efficiency. So the idea is, much like we do currently, is can we use quantum dots to take a blue LED and convert it to red? So now we take that blue micro LED that's sitting under the red subpixel, we coat it with a thick layer of quantum dots, and we create a red LED out of it. So it's emitting blue photons, absorbing close to all of them, and pushing them to the red end of the spectrum and giving us red light out. This is a more efficient approach in many cases than trying to make a really crappy red micro LED. And of course, you can do the same thing with green. And so now you can have a blue, a red, and a green that are all blue micro LEDs. Some people are even looking at UV. And you can convert them to red and green and to get all three colors that you need. Uh, so micro LEDs is certainly an area that the display industry is investing in heavily. It's not without its challenges. If you think about the number of pixels in a display, we're talking about many, many millions. And so uh, trying to place accurately all these LEDs on a substrate to make them all work, add in redundancy, test them, make sure the color is uniform, the brightness is uniform. This is a really hard engineering challenge, but quantum dots could play a really important role in that. Um, and I believe this is something that, that Custom Dot is also working on to use their, their quantum dots on these micro LEDs. And so it's it's a promising technology. It's still, I would say, years away. I'm not going to pinpoint a number of years because that's impossible. But trends are already there. The writing's on the wall. We're going smaller and smaller with these LEDs already. And I don't see a reason why that trend won't continue. So I do expect at some point we'll see micro LEDs, um, perhaps with QD color conversion in, in products. So that's, that's, that's future technology number one. Future technology number two, the where quantum dots are involved, is something called electroluminescent devices. So here, instead of driving the quantum dots with blue photons, you're actually driving them with electricity, with current. And they're connected to a circuit, much like an OLED is. It emits light from the quantum dots instead of from an organic emitter. It acts like an LED, essentially. So historically, these were called QLEDs. That term has sort of been reserved now by Samsung for anything containing quantum dots in a display. The accurate term I use is electroluminescent QLED or ELQLED. And here you need quantum dots that are really stable um, to be able to survive these conditions. It's, not, it's, it's easier for a quantum dot to down convert a photon than to take this electric current and convert it to a photon. You can do it very efficiently, but oftentimes they don't survive long enough. Main thrust right now in, in the field is to get these devices working in such a way that they're, number one, manufacturable at scale, and number two, that they last long enough. People replace their TVs every seven, eight years, something like this. This equates to tens of thousands of hours of watch time on a, on a TV. Mobile phones, maybe less because we get rid of them every two or three years. Computer monitors, maybe are somewhere in between. But it's not an immediately consumable technology. It needs to last and it needs to look good for its entire life cycle. And so these, these materials need to last for tens of thousands of hours. And right now, depending on the material set that you use, that's just not the case. 
could split it into kind of two main categories with quantum dots. One is those that contain heavy metals, often cadmium, and those that do not, uh, often indium phosphide. Uh, and I believe this is what Custom Dot works on is mostly on the, the cadmium-free based systems like indium phosphide. Historically, a lot of the research was done on cadmium-based systems going back into the even like the 80s and 90s. And they're, therefore, they're just more mature. Uh, there's been a lot more research done. There's some inherent chemistry reasons as to why they are, uh, they're easier to work with. Those systems are well-studied, well-understood. You can make them very efficient and they survive pretty well. There's examples of red and green electroluminescent devices lasting tens of thousands of hours. People can do this now. There's companies that can do this. It's, it's quite impressive. And then if you go to the cadmium-free versions, mostly indium phosphide, the reality is they just don't last as long. People like Samsung have published papers on this. They've made amazing progress, but they're still orders of magnitude behind on where they are at in terms of lifetime for these electroluminescent devices. So could we see products with these electroluminescent quantum dot materials? For sure. I think some of the first ones might be based on cadmium materials. And then in time, just like the, if, if you look backwards historically, we started with cadmium, we transitioned to indium phosphide. I think the same could happen with these electroluminescent devices. We kind of take a step back in terms of using materials we're not happy with in terms of toxicity, but it makes makes devices really well. By the way, you use minuscule amounts of material when you do this. The, the thickness of the active layer is uh, tens of nanometers in thickness. So it's a very, very thin active component that contains only a small amount of cadmium. So it's not like we're putting a ton of cadmium into these. And then I think it would transition eventually away from that and we'd, we'd find different ways to do it without cadmium-based materials. So yeah, both micro-LEDs and electroluminescent quantum dots I would say are two of the two of the forward-looking technologies that I'm excited for in the next next decade or so. Well, thank you for sharing that. We'll uh, give you a call in 2028 or so to make sure <laughs> your predictions have come true. Uh, but it looks like like the future is looking very bright, right? Pun intended. So um, <laughs> thanks for for sharing your insights with us, and thank you for for being with me today and having this conversation. I'm sure many people learned a lot about quantum dots. We've been talking about this over the last episodes, but I think. We've gone into much more detail and definitely expanded our knowledge here. So thank you very much. Any final thoughts today? Any um, ideas you want to share with the world about quantum dots that you haven't yet? Oh, there's so much. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to pinpoint it. Uh, I, I encourage people, if they're interested in, in nerding out on quantum dots, to reach out to me. I'm always happy to, to discuss you know, this exciting technology that, that has really become basically my career. They can do that on my website or YouTube channel, Nano Palamaki, if they're interested. And thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you for tuning in today for our final episode on Custom.Radio. I hope you enjoyed this crash course in Quantum Dots and now have a better understanding of how one company in particular, Custom Dot, is changing this field. To find out more about what they do, be sure to check their website at customdot.com and tell everyone you know Quantum Dots Revolution is underway. <laughs>